Well, for a Christmas message, I want to share with you a thought um, that's been kind of running through my heart as I was beginning to prepare for the end of the year and the sermons for Sunday morning as well as for um, tonight. And I, and I prayed and said, you know, Holy Spirit, what is a word for tonight? What is something that we can take home with us and say, this is just for us tonight? And so I want to share with you um, this thought. You know, although the Christmas story is specifically in Matthew and in the book of Luke, it's one of the scriptures in, a, in the book of John that I want to use, probably the single most famous um, scripture that Jesus ever spoke. And John, um, the brother of James, is the one that records it. Now, this John is the one that constantly refers to himself over and over and over again as the one that Jesus loved, as if he didn't love the other 11. He only loved John. And so you'll be reading along, and it'll say, and the disciple that Jesus loved, and that's John writing about himself, but not wanting to call himself out. But he needs you to know that he's the one that's loved by Jesus. Um, and, and I love that about him, even though he tries to do it in a very passive-aggressive manner. And, and that's okay. But he writes this, and, and he speaks to you and I, and understanding that the book of John was specifically written to Gentiles, not to Jews. You and I are Gentiles, and it was written to us. And in the book, uh, chapter 20 of the book of John, it says, these things are written that you might believe. And so we understand that John wrote this whole book of John that we call, and the whole purpose of this book of John was that we would capture an understanding that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God. And it's that idea of believe and come that I want to share with you this evening as I was talking to God about it. This scripture says in the book of John, and beginning at uh, verse uh, 16, excuse me, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because they've not believed the name of God's one and only son this is the verdict that light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil and I don't want to put a big downer there I just want to I want to talk about this idea that even Jesus said that he came so that we could believe so that we could be saved and I want to I want you to have something that you can grab a hold of I want you to have a handle that you can walk away from a Christmas Eve service and say this is what I believe God said to me because I'm thinking about this service. I mean, excuse me, this this um, 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 this incident, this birth of Christ, this Christmas. Um, 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 uh, Lord, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for this thing that happened, and and I'm and I'm thinking about it, and it's like, what's going on? And so you understand that Jesus is born either in a manger or a stable or a barn or a cave or a, and, and we can look at that, but this is going on. But surrounding him is Mary, his mother, Joseph, his um, um, father, stepfather, the shepherds, eventually the Magi showed up and they all had a decision to make. Mary is visited by the angel and the angel says, you're going to have a child. The child is going to be the son of God. So she has to decide, does she believe that or does she not believe that? Joseph has to believe that in the angel, I mean, in his dream that the angel said, hey, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what's inside of her was conceived of God. He has to decide, does he believe that? And I want to encourage you to begin to process, do you believe it? Do you believe that story? 
The shepherds had to decide if they believed it. The magi had to decide, did they believe this thing? And it's not the idea, um, you know, because you, you've got to ask, did they believe? But it's not the idea of, did they academically acquiesce to it? You know, there's a fancy way of just saying, did they understand it and therefore believe it? Jesus was born. He's a historical figure. Yes, we believe. But do you believe that he's the son of God laying in that manger? And, and, and even Mary had a, a rough go of it because there comes a time during Jesus' ministry at one point that it says, and Jesus went into the house. And the people so filled that house that the disciples couldn't hardly move inside of the house. And his parents, his, his mother and his brother came and they were outside and they came to take hold of him. Here it comes, because the scripture says they said he was out of his mind. At one point, Mary came to the conclusion that Jesus was out of, her, out of his mind. It says so in the scripture. See, and so you've got to stop and wonder, did Jesus' brothers who grew up with him decide that he wasn't the son of God and convince mom that he wasn't? Because Mary's treasuring these things that she saw in her heart, and it's sooner or later you begin to stop and say, what do I actually believe? The further I get from the epicenter of an event, what do I actually believe about the event? And it's that idea of believe and come that I just want to share with you this evening on Christmas. The Greek word is pistuon. And it doesn't mean to academically acknowledge. It doesn't mean, oh yeah, I understand Jesus is the Christ. It means, will you follow him? It's like me saying, do you believe in that chair? And you say, yes, I totally believe in that chair. That chair is a chair. Well, if you move forward 6,000, or excuse me, 2,000 years, what it means is, will you sit on that chair? Will you park your tuchus in that chair in full confidence that that chair is a chair? And it will do exactly what it's supposed to do. And therefore, you act upon it. The same thing is true of what Jesus is saying. The, the word believe is an action word. It's not a passive word at all. It means that we obey, we follow, we surrender to him out of our love for him. It means we give up our lives to see his kingdom come. It means we're not afraid to sell everything, give to the poor, and come and follow him. And the fact of the matter is, if we want to know what the word believe means, we simply look at the disciples' life. What did it mean for them? One of them was a money changer. He was a tax man. He worked for the IRS of the Roman government. And he's seated at his table. And he's got money all over the place. And it's understood that he very well could have other people that worked underneath of him that had money at their tables. And as Jesus came along, Jesus said to him, you, come, follow me. And it says that straightway, immediately, he got up and followed Jesus. We don't believe that he took time to scrape all the money into a bag. It's the same way when Jesus approached James and John and Peter and Andrew, or Simon and Andrew. He approached them when they were out fishing. They were partners, evidently, according to the Scripture. And as they're hauling in this great catch of fish and they bring it up on the beach, Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says, immediately they left their nets. Biggest catch of fish. They were astounded themselves at the size. It was going to sink their boats. They had to have their partners come over, but they walked away from it. And so we recognize that when the disciples believed something, they acted on it immediately. Do you believe? Do you not academically acknowledge, but do you believe that this baby in the manger is the Son of God? Come down here to live for us and die for our sins. Many people will, in fact, choose to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is a very real person. 
but not that many will always choose to believe him by giving up their lives. In the book of John chapter 6, as a matter of fact, the scripture says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, gives life. The flesh, the every way, everyday way of thinking, the human way of doing things counts for nothing. The idea of, of having the Holy Spirit inside of you is life, but the idea of you collecting mortgages and 401ks and big houses and fancy cars and too many dogs and nice guitars and fun motorcycles, none of that counts for a thing in the kingdom of heaven. I'm just listing my life for you. Because I have to recognize this in my own life. Do I believe? It says the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Well, what's this spirit thing about? He says the words that I have spoken to you, they, were full, they are full of the spirit and life. So what we're seeing here is that the teachings of Jesus, does my belief in the baby in the manger, in the Christ on the cross, and in the empty tomb, does my belief change the actions of my life? Does it change my lifestyle, the things that I will be a part of? Because it says right here, if I follow the teachings, the words that Jesus has spoken, they are full of the Holy Spirit and they are full of life. But if I follow the world, it says, Jesus goes on to say in verse 64, yet there are some of you who don't believe. You're following me. He's looking at them and they're saying, you really don't believe. You acknowledge maybe you're here for the free bread or whatever it is, but you don't really believe it. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, and this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And look at this in verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned his, their backs and no longer followed him. So there are some people that acknowledge that he's a man, he's a prophet, he's a rabbi, but they will not bring themselves to believe that he is the Son of God. They will not believe him to that point. And so they wandered away. It says many of them did. And so I ask you this evening, do you believe that the baby lying in the manger is God born to man? He's Emmanuel. Do you believe that he lived among us a perfect life? Do you believe that he died to show his, life for, or his love for us? Do you believe that he was raised to life basically in front of us today, right now? Do you believe that? And if you, do, if you do believe that, let me ask you a question. How has it changed the way you act on this earth? How has it changed the way you interact with people on this earth? Because Genesis to Revelation, there was nothing more important to God than relationships between his children and relationships between him and his children. God looks down and says, if you're there offering your sacrifice and you remember that somebody else and you are just going at it, he says, leave your sacrifice. Walk out of church and go make it right. To the best of your ability, the scripture says, be at peace with all men. And when you've done what you can do, when you've apologized and, and, and you've done as much as you can, then you've done your part. But are we living out the thing that we say that we believe in even where our enemies are concerned? What's the evidence of the transformation in your life? For the wives, men, believe it or not, they believed in that star. They believed in that baby. And they gave up two to three years of their life. It was a two-year journey and at least a year back, depending on how you count the wandering. It could have been a three to four year. They believed 
And so they went to find the baby that was going to be born king of the Jews. For Mary, it was giving God permission and yielding to God's plan for her life. For Joseph, it was surrendering his whole future to raise a child which would be considered an illegitimate child to him and having the community sneer at him and look at him and say, ha, they kind of got the cart before the horse, that whole wedding thing. For the shepherds, it was telling everybody what they saw and being looked at probably as weirdos. No, you don't understand. We just saw angels. They parted the sky. What was going on out there? For a man named Simeon, it was a moment when Jesus was atoned for as a baby. They walked in, and the Holy Spirit had confirmed to him that he would not leave the earth until he saw the reconciliation of Israel. For the 12 disciples, it was a life career change. For most of them, believing that the baby was the Christ cost them their lives. Most of them were martyred. They didn't fight back. They gave up their lives. Imagine for just a split second that first Christmas evening. They're in the cave, they're in the stable, whatever it is in your mind, they're in there. There's shepherds, there's Mary, there's Joseph. I don't know if there's some of Joseph's family, but put yourself in there because that's the way I always read my Bible. When I'm reading the Bible, I'm always trying to put myself in and say, where would I be? I'd like to say, like I said this morning in the service, that I'm the, the, the innkeeper and I would have said, listen, go take my room, it's all good. But I can't say that with any credibility because I'm broken. I'd like to be able to say that. But here, right here, is our question. You're standing in the stable and there's Mary and Joe. Are you standing with the crowd or are you standing off in a distance just a little bit? Do you believe or are you skeptical? Are you right there celebrating or you got your chin in your hand and you're like, I'm just not sure. Uh, I, I can't reconcile this thing. I don't know. I, I don't know. Is that, is that you? Where do you find yourself? Because drawing near to God actually has consequences. When you understand the Scripture, and, and, and the Scripture is poured in your soul, you step into the light. And what happens when you step into the light? When you step into the light, suddenly your imperfections are abs absolutely obvious. When you come out of the darkness into the light, people can see your flaws, they can see your mistakes, they can see your sin. Um, in a very practical way, when a child comes in from outside, you can see the dirt on his face. We can be seen for who we really are. And what happens when that happens? It's like when John was on the island of Patmos writing the book of Revelation. And at the very beginning, he said he found himself in the presence of Jesus. And as he, as he found himself there, it says he fell over as though dead. Because suddenly he realized he was unclean. It was Isaiah in the book of Isaiah seeing God high and lifted his up and his train filled the throne room. And God said, whom shall I send? And at that point, Isaiah falls over as though dead. Because there's something about being in the presence of God that makes us feel that we're not worthy. And sometimes I wonder if I was in that place where that baby was, would I recognize that if that's God's son, I shouldn't be in this place? You ever walked into a, a, a party and realized that suddenly you were way, way underdressed? Nobody told you that it was formal. Nobody told you that it was suit and tie. You showed up in tennis shorts and sneakers and a good polo. And suddenly you realize, I don't belong here with these people. I'm humiliated. I'm embarrassed to be here. People are looking at me. You ever walked into a restaurant and suddenly it was like, uh-oh, 
I'm out of my price range. How do I get out of here without embarrassing myself? Sometimes I wonder if that's not the way we would feel near that baby in the manger. Like, why am I here? But I like to think that Mary and Joseph would be saying, no, come on over here. Come over here and see what God is doing. Come as you are, but leave your sin there with the Christ child. Be adopted into the family of God because that's what He came for. It's okay. Welcome into the family. I like that John, when he wrote the book of John, speaking of Jesus, said he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And I love this. Yet to all who receive him, to all who received him, everybody, to those who believed, there's that word, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, a human decision or husband's will, but born of God. You see, it's coming into the presence of God. It's the welcoming of God. You're not so filthy. You're not so dirty because the book of Romans says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in the process of sinning, Christ came and died for us. We don't get cleaned up and then come to God. We come to God and let Him wash away our sins. But we can't come and not admit that we're dirty, that we're broken, that we need a Savior. See, John is writing to Gentiles, and he wants us to know that when the Jews rejected Jesus, it was our invitation. We're in. We're welcome. We can come. As I was writing um, this out and, and praying over this, I just said, Holy Spirit, is there, is there something that I can stop and, and give them that I can share, that I myself can get a hold of? And you come in here to this service, and I want to share this with you because I believe with all of my heart that when Christ says, come and believe, that this is what he's saying, that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to believe, to believe that God loves you. If you've entered the Christmas season and Christmas is not really the highlight of your year, sometimes it's a little tough for people, but, but God is saying, no, come here because I do love you. If you've been through a year and it's a year that you really don't want to repeat and you wonder how on earth can you get through it, I want you to know that the Lord told me to share with you today to just believe, but believe that God does love you. That scripture in John 3, 16 starts out, for God so loved the world. And you hear so many people preaching that God is mad, he is angry, his wrath is going to be poured out. And yet Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said the exact opposite. Yes, there is a hell. It was not created for human beings. The scripture is very clear. It was created for the devil and his unholy angels. It says that. But the point is that God loved us so much that he sent his son. The baby came because God was not mad. The God, God wanted us to come close. I want to invite you to believe, the Holy Spirit says, because God wants you. God doesn't tolerate you. God's not willing to put up with you. God's not just throwing up his hands and saying, well, okay. He wants you. Jesus himself told the parable of the Father, that's God, standing on the porch waiting for his son to come back. No gender intended there, okay, because it's for the sons and daughters. But the point being that God wants us back in a relationship. He's not tolerating us into a relationship. He wants to forgive our sins. He's just waiting on us. A 
believe that God wants to say to you to believe that God hears you. You've been praying so hard and you've been praying so long and you're saying, I don't think God is listening because he's not moving in my time frame and he's not doing what I want him to do. And I want you to understand that's not the truth. God hears what you're saying. It's up to you and I to be patient with God because God is not slack in coming. He's been perfect in his timing every single time. But he knows better than you and I. And then finally, I just want to encourage you to believe. As you come to Christmas 2018, I believe that God wants you to believe that Emmanuel, the baby in the manger, is already going into your 2019 and preparing for you. He's not ignoring you. He sees what's going on in your life. All he wants is for you to believe to the point that you follow him. Don't believe to the point that you recognize him. Believe to the point that you follow him. Because there are many, even today, like it says in John 6, 6, 6, there are many today that are turning their back and falling away. It's expected. It's prophesied. We're that much closer to the trumpet blowing. Here's a Christmas message. God wants you to come, and God wants you to believe. But don't just acknowledge. Follow after him, because the gift that he has in store for you is so much greater than what you're dreaming about. And he loves you. Let's pray. Father, as we come to Christmas, we thank you. As we celebrate the baby born, we thank you. But we recognize, God, that the greatest gift that we'll ever receive from you is an empty tomb. An understanding that this world is not all that there is, that we're here temporarily, Lord. But that you also paid the price for our sin, O oh Lord God, and then went to, to prepare a place for us because where you are, there you want us to be also. And so, Father, as much as we celebrate your first advent, we anticipate your second advent day when you will come back and the trumpet will blow and we will be caught up from this earth and all of our politics, all of our fighting will seem as nothing but a waste of time. And all of the things that we could have done for you, Lord, because you loved us so much, reaching out to people around us, that's where our heart will break. I just ask and pray, God, that you meet us here today. Make us mindful that it's Christmas and you want us to come to the baby. You want us to come to the cross. You want us to come to the empty tomb because we are welcome in the throne room of grace to find help in our time of need because you are Abba, our Father. And you did all this and you ask us to believe. In Jesus' name we pray.